It's time, D-Heads. Disney Blue presents Disney On Demand. Every week, Disney Blue lets you relive the magic, the movies, and the memories with celebrity guests, the best of classic Disney, and breaking news on Disney's latest. So put on your ears and give it a little bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Disney Blue's Disney On Demand is on the air! Now, here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all of you Disney fans, you tuned in for another magical Christmassy edition of Disney Blues, Diz Radio, and the Diz Radio Show. And this week for show number 203, for the week of December 14th, 2017, we are continuing on with our seventh annual month-long Diz Radio very Merry Christmas celebration. Yes, all month long, we've been bringing you Christmas shows, special guests to help us celebrate the season, all kinds of great segments from the D-Team, and so much more. And to help us continue on with the Christmas celebration, we're taking you back to somebody that can see some dragons, somebody that knows what it's like to give up a beloved donkey, and so much more, as we have Sean Marshall stopping in here this week. Now, Sean Marshall, you may know as Pete from the 1977 classic, Pete's Dragon. He was also the voice of the young boy in one of my favorite Christmas Disney animated shorts, The Small One. He's been in a variety of other things and so much more. And Sean is going to stop in and talk about what it was like making these classics like Pete's Dragon, The Small One, his favorite moments on set. Of course, working with some of the great people like Mickey Rooney, Helen Reddy, and so much more. And what is it like still getting fan mail today from young viewers, including people as old as even my own children that still love these classics? In addition, no show would be complete or holiday would be complete without the D-Team. And yes, you have the questions and Aaron has the answers and I want to know. We have Dominic stopping in with the short leash once again with tips and tricks to make the most out of your Walt Disney World vacation. We have Frank stopping in with the Disney quote of the week to give you that little bit of inspiration to kick off your entire weekend. We also have Alexa with the latest from the Walt Disney World Resort and Disneyland with Disney Parks in 5. We have Chaz taking that stroll, going on down the Hollywood Walk with more about our very special guest here this week, Sean Marshall. We have Michael live on location, of course, at the Disney Parks with more in Walt's footsteps. We have Randy from Disney Multimedia stopping in with some great Christmas memories, treats, and more. And all throughout the show, the D-Team is going to be stopping in with their favorite Christmas moments, Christmas specials, and all kinds of fun. There is tons of news hot off the D-Wire from 20th Century Fox, Star Wars, The Last Jedi, streaming Disney Christmas time parades, and so much more. So before we jump into this week's show and continue on with the festivities, I do want to mention that DizRadio.com is probably sponsored by Castle and Dreams Travel, and Castle and Dreams Travel is 100% free agency. They're going to help you plan, book, prepare, and make the most magical vacation that you could possibly have. From dining reservations, character interactions, you name it, they are going to make it magical, hold your hand, and walk you through the process. They also have bilingual experts to help you with any language barrier that you could possibly have. So definitely check them out. Castle and Dreams Travel, the official sponsor of Diz Radio. So all of you D-heads, with that said, the holidays are still here. We're having fun. We're celebrating Christmas. For all of you, it is Hanukkah this week. I just love the holidays here at the show. So it's time to officially kick off show number 203 for the week of December 14th, 2017, and it's time to look for that star, look for the manger, look all the way off into the distance, and maybe Small One can help get you there. Be right back, all VD heads, and let's continue on with our seventh annual Very Merry Christmas Celebration. Mm-hmm. 
don't look so blue Somewhere a friend is waiting Regularly scheduled programming will not be seen at this time so that ABC may bring you and your family the following special holiday celebration. Oh, boy. This is the place to come. Oh, hello, and very Merry Christmas to you. we got company, guys. Yes, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Walt Disney World Very Merry Christmas Parade. We've got 90 minutes of fun and fantasy in store for you right here from Walt Disney World in Florida. So stay right where you are because we are going to have a very Merry Christmas. Hey! Parade hosts Joan London and Alan Thicke, along with Regis Philbin, 
as they bring you an all-new Christmas Around America Parade from the Magic Kingdom. Sing along with a 1,200-member children's choir. And go on a thrill-filled look at the most daredevil circus in the world. See the excitement building in a Walt Disney World progress report of all the new projects going on. You'll meet our special parade Grand Marshal Cinderella and take a behind-the-scenes look at the making of her classic movie. All this and more is on its way. This is Helen Reddy, and you're listening to Disney On Demand. And now, a Disney On Demand memory. Hey, all you D-heads, it's Frank from the D-Team. When I think of Christmas, I think of all the Christmas specials and movies. One of my favorites is Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas, released in 1999, direct-to-video. And its sequel, Mickey's Twice Upon a Christmas, released in 2004. Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas is a three-part anthology-style video. The first part, Donald Duck, Stuck on Christmas... It's a retelling of Groundhog Day, with Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Next is A Very Goofy Christmas, in which Goofy tries to overcome his son's skepticism about Santa Claus. And finally, Mickey and Minnie's Gift of the Magi. The stories are linked together by narration by Kelsey Grammer. They're a lot of fun to watch. Give them a download. Check it out. Let me know what you think. Have a great Christmas. I can't believe it. It's Disney Blues. Disney On Demand. You hear that? It's the winds of change. Here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all you D-heads, so I am back, and I hope you enjoyed the official kickoff for show number 203 for the week of December 14th, 2017, as we are continuing on with our seventh annual Very Merry Christmas celebration. So Merry Christmas to all of you tuning in, and of course, this week is Hanukkah, so Happy Hanukkah to all of you celebrating that holiday that are D-heads as well. So it is a fantastic week here at the show, lots of fun things. We are gearing up to have Sean Marshall, yes, Pete from Pete's Dragon, the 1977 class classic that we all love, as well as being the voice of the young boy in one of my favorite Christmas animated shorts from Disney, the small one. We also have the D-team stopping in with Aaron, Dominic, Frank, Alexa, Chaz, Michael, and Randy, and all kinds of fun hot off the D-wire, including many other things. So before I jump into this week's show and really get the ball rolling, And first off, you can always visit our official website at dizradio.com, D-I-Z radio.com. There you can find our full list of past shows, the complete podcast archives, our latest news blogs, and more right there on our official website at dizradio.com, D-I-Z radio.com. You can also connect up with us all over the social media outlets on Facebook at facebook.com slash dizradioshow. That's D-I-Z radio, S-H-O-W. You can also join our D-Wire Disney discussion group on Facebook as well. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and many other places. Just go to Disney Blue, that's B-L-U, Diz Radio, D-I-Z Radio, or Disney On Demand, all of which are going to help you find our fun, unique, quirky, different kind, and of course this time of the year, Christmassy kind of Disney show. And if you want to stay connected instantly, you can't wait. You need our voices ringing in your ears right away in your car, your cubicle, at home, you want to share it with your family. All you have to do is go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio. There you can search Diz Radio, Disney Blue, or Disney On Demand and hit the subscribe button. You can get the latest shows as they get released instantly on your iPhone, your Android, your tablet, whatever you want to use to listen to our show. You can subscribe and get it instantly every single week. And if I've been talking too fast, I'm just too full of energy. This peppermint mocha is really firing me up. 
All you have to do is go to DizRadio.com, D-I-Z Radio.com, and find all these links there as well. All right, all of you D-Heads, so with that out of the way, I'm not going to bombard you with too much crazy news here this week because there has been stuff all over the board. There's all kinds of news that's been going on here, but let's talk about something first and foremost that, of course, we would love to do, and how about Disney streaming the Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas Time Parade. Yes, Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas Time Parade is part of Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party at the Magic Kingdom at the Walt Disney World Resort and features a host of favorite Disney characters in their finest holiday attire. Yes, everybody loves it. Everything from Frozen, Beauty and the Beast, Disney Pixar stories like Toy Story, Chip and Dale, Goofy, Santa Claus, Mickey, Minnie, you name it. And Travel Zoo, a global publisher of exclusive offers and experiences, is now going to broadcast at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time tonight, December 14th, with a Facebook live stream of Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas Time Parade at the Walt Disney World Resort. Yes, if you can't make it there for the holidays festivities, this is your chance to do so. All you have to do is go to facebook.com slash travel zoo, and that's it. It's that simple. Go there, check it out. They're doing a Facebook live stream, like I said, at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time tonight, and you can check out the Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas Time Parade that's part of the Very Merry Christmas Party. This parade is only second for my favorite next to the Mickey's Halloween Parade. I do love the not-so-scary Halloween party parade. That one is still, I love it. But if you want to get in the holidays festivities, this is your chance to do so, especially because tonight, Olaf's Frozen Adventure is debuting on ABC. That is right once again. Everyone said that the Olaf special, the short that was before Coco, was tanking the film. Everybody hated it and whatnot. I don't think people hated it. I think it was just too long for children to sit. That still... For so long. But now they're bringing it to ABC tonight. You can check it out. I think it's going to be a fun special. It should have always been just a television holiday special. I think that's where it's going to work. I think that's where people are going to love it and where it's going to continue to thrive. I don't think it's this thing where they're going to write it off like the Star Wars Christmas special. I do think people are really going to love it, and that's debuting tonight as well. Now let's get into some official announcements here. And yes, it is official once more. It has been on the table, off the table. But 21st Century Fox is now going to be part of the Walt Disney family. Yes, that is right. The Walt Disney Company has now acquired 21st Century Fox Incorporated after many certain businesses come off the table at $52.4 billion in stock. Yes, now this acquisition complements and enhances the Walt Disney Company's ability to provide consumers around the world with more appealing content and, of course, entertainment options. Now, this is going to include many different things, including popular entertainment properties, including X-Men, Avatar, The Simpsons, FX Networks, National Geographic, and many others. Now, this is also going to expand Disney's direct-to-consumer offerings with the addition of 21st Century Fox's entertainment content, capabilities in America, Europe, and Asia, and Hulu's stake becomes a controlling interest as well. Now, this there's so many elements to this that some are good, some are questionable. I mean, of course, now you're going to bring the Marvel family together. Who doesn't want to see the X-Men join up with the Avengers and everything else that they need to do to make it complete if you're a comic book nerd like myself? But also, many other things that are part of this as well as The Simpsons or many others. Is Disney just going to continue to lease out these royalties to Universal who have full lands dedicated to The Simpsons and many others? But because of this, as a result, Robert Iger, as I like to call Robert Acquisition Iger, not Robert A. Iger, it's Robert Acquisition 
Iger. He is going to remain chairman and CEO of the Walt Disney Company through 2021 to make sure everything goes without a hitch. So this is going to be something that is a game changer for Disney and many other. I mean, seriously, this is uh, a huge, huge undertaking, and I can only imagine what it's going to happen. But here is my thought for all of you D-heads, and I don't do this too often here on the show, but my thought is, since Hollywood Studios is changing, I have a feeling Disney is going to morph Hollywood Studios into their version of Universal Studios. I'm going to leave it at that. So that's official. Disney and 21st Century Fox are now joined together Now, moving along here, there's a lot of other news going on that is happening. And of course, everybody knows later today, Star Wars The Last Jedi is getting released. I'm not going to beat a dead horse here. We all know it's coming. We're all worried what's going to happen with this story. I do know that it is the longest Star Wars film in the franchise. People are, of course, you know, uh, comparing it to The Empire Strikes Back or whatnot. I don't know. I will be checking it out tomorrow with my two boys as we have a Star Wars night, just dad and the boys out on the town. So I'm excited for that. And I know all of you are as well. So I'm not going to keep going on about that one. But let's get back to some Marvel news here, of course. And how about Marvel Entertainment superheroes are arriving on Hoopla Digital, adding Marvel collections and graphic novels to its service. Now, we did talk about Hoopla Digital last week here at the show, how many Disney entities are joining up with them as well. Well, now Hoopla Digital, the category creating mobile and online service for public libraries, announced this week that an agreement was made with Marvel Entertainment that adds over 250 collections and graphic novels to their service. Now, through this agreement, patrons of participating public libraries can now borrow Marvel works like Thor, God of Thunder Volume 1, Black Panther, A Nation Under Our Feet Book 1, Civil War, and X-Men The Dark Phoenix Saga, all through Hoopla Digital on their smartphones, tablets, and computers as part of their public library. So now you can check it out, have some fun, read it, and of course when the time expires, you don't have access to that book again unless you renew it. So this is great. Now Marvel content arriving on Hoopla Digital also includes many heroes and villains that have been part of Marvel's blockbuster films and television shows, including The Avengers, Guardians of the Galaxy, Spider-Man, Daredevil, The Punisher, The Runaways, and so much more. Now, Marvel's collections add to Hoopla's catalog of over 600,000 movies, TV shows, music albums, ebooks, audiobooks, and more. So this is a great new addition to Hoopla Digital. And if you want to find out more about this or how you can actually participate this, go to your local library as well, or you can also go to HooplaDigital.com. So all of you D-heads, with that said, I'm dropping news. That is it. Super simple, super easy, and quick here this week, but it is not the last you heard of me. I'm going to be stopping in later with all kinds of fun, maybe my own magical memory, and all kinds of things. But we have a lot of great things on the horizon as we are gearing up for none other than Sean Marshall stopping in here at the show. Yes, Pete from Pete's Dragon, the small one. We have more coming from the D-team. You have the questions. Aaron has the answers, and I want to know. We have Dominic, Frank, Alexa, Chaz, Michael, Randy, all stopping in here, and so much more. So before I release the reins here to the D-team and continue on with our Christmas celebration, I do want to mention that DizRadio.com is probably sponsored by Castle and Dreams Travel. And Castle and Dreams Travel is 100% free agency. They're going to help you plan, book, prepare, and make the most magical vacation that you could possibly have from dining reservations, character interactions, you name it. They're going to hold your hand, walk you through the process, and treat you like family. They have bilingual experts to help you with any language barriers that you could possibly have as well. So definitely check them out. Castle and Dreams Travel, the official sponsor of Diz Radio. 
So all of you D-heads, with that said, we are continuing on with our 7th annual Very Merry Christmas celebration as we're going to have the festivities. We're going to light the lights, we're going to wrap those presents, we're going to have fun, we're going to make it magical, so let's press on for show number 203 for the week of December 14th, 2017. Let me see, we have a scarf for Skywalker, right? Yes. And perfume for the princess? Yes. What about Han Solo? Couldn't we get him here, Mom? That leaves one big problem. The Wookiee. Couldn't we get him a comb? We gave him a comb last year. What can you get? A wooden for Christmas when he already owns a comb. What can you get in a hurry for a furry kind of friend like that? behind-the-scenes look at a special motion picture coming to your local theaters this holiday season. From Walt Disney Pictures. One magic Christmas. Santa Claus, how can one sleigh carry 
It's a magic sleigh. magic. The making of One Magic Christmas is the reliving of a childhood memory of producer Peter O'Brien. I think one of my favorite Christmas memories is when I was about six years old in the country near where we are right now at a farmhouse very much like the one where this film is taking place. I saw Santa Claus, absolutely for certain, for sure, come and fill up my stocking full of toys. And uh, I didn't see him completely because I had to, to uh, pretend I was asleep. Um, but I'll never forget it. It was definitely him. No question about it. One Magic Christmas stars Academy Award winner Mary Steenburgen and Harry Dean Stanton. It's a film that should have an uplifting effect on people and on audiences and enrich their lives in some way, I hope. Good night, Jeannie. Merry Christmas. Good night, Gideon. It's a story filled with faith. Gotta go to North Pole, Gideon. To see Santa Claus. And fantasy. I'm an angel. A Christmas angel. You believe in magic, this holiday season, share the magic from Walt Disney Pictures at theaters everywhere. One magic Christmas. Hi, this is Tom Kane, the voice of a number of current Disney attractions like Yoda and Jedi Training Academy, Akbar and Star Tours, a number of upcoming rides in the new Star Wars park that I can't talk about yet, and of course, the voice of the monorail. And you're listening to Diz Radio, helping you relive the magic and memories. And now, a Disney On Demand memory. Hello to all you D-heads and a happy holiday season. This is Mike from In Walt's Footsteps, uh, here to share one of my favorite Disney Christmas classics, and that is Mickey's Christmas Carol. It's one of my all-time favorites. I love, love, love this movie. It, I, a Christmas season does not go by unless I've watched this. For some, it might be Elf. For others, it might be Christmas Story or maybe National Lampoon's va uh, Christmas Vacation. While I love all of those, for me, the true heart of Christmas is in Mickey's Christmas Carol. I love the original story of, of Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol, whether it be another film adaptation or the original novel. Uh, just But Mickey's Christmas Carol... With all of its cameos from characters like, of course, Scrooge McDuck, Goofy, uh, of course, Mickey as Bob Cratchit, who I'm actually looking at my Mickey Bob Cratchit action figure on my shelf right now. Uh, this is just, you know, it just melts my heart every Christmas. And it, to me, Christmas doesn't go by. Christmas really doesn't begin until I've watched Mickey's Christmas Carol. And of course, it was originally done in theaters in 1983 and was tagged on to a Christmas re-release of The Rescuers. Now, I don't believe I ever saw it in theaters. My mom would have to tell me. 
but I can remember watching it on VHS and on TV even as a little kid and now I actually have it on DVD and like I said I watch it every single year and it's something that I love to share with other people and hopefully one day we'll be able to share with children of my own but I hope you guys have a wonderful Christmas season if you can get the chance watch Mickey's Christmas Carol especially if you've never seen it but have a great holiday season guys and I will see you uh, on the next trip in Walt's footsteps Christmas morning. Oh, I want to hear those beautiful bells. I want to see the morning. Yes, I can be a new man. I will honor Christmas in my heart and keep it all the year. Merry Christmas, everybody. What a glorious Christmas morning. What a glorious Christmas morning. What a Davis is going to be all over the have questions we have answers let's dip our hands into the virtual mailbag and uncover the truth in i want to know hey d heads this is aaron and it's time again for another installment of i want to know well me and the family had a great time this weekend in branson i do believe i found where some of the osborne lights from hollywood studios ended up if you have a chance to visit silver dollar city and you love christmas lights i highly recommend going this holiday season well, you guys have been busy sending in questions, and Santa's sack is full. So let's reach in and see what questions we have for this week. Our first question is from Avery Wolski of Detroit, Michigan, and he writes, Listening to two old Disney LPs this season, it got me to wondering why are there two? The LP is Mickey's Christmas Carol. I have one that is an exact version of the animated film, but then I have this one version that is very different with different ghosts and even has songs with it. I love this version. Sorry if you've answered this in years past, but I am confused. Thank you and Merry Christmas. Well, I love Disney's version of A Christmas Carol. Mickey's Christmas Carol was largely an animated adaptation of a Disneyland Records 1974 audio musical entitled An Adaptation of Dickens' Christmas Carol. The musical featured similar dialogue and cast of characters, with the exception of the first and last Christmas ghost. The ghost of Christmas past was Merlin, 
from the sword and the stone instead of Jiminy Cricket. While the ghost of Christmas yet to come was the queen from Snow White and the seven dwarfs in her old hag form. Then there is the LP from 1982 that is directly from the movie. I think both versions are a good listen. Well, our next question is from Tom Nettles of West Virginia, and he writes, Is Radio? Question for Aaron in I Want to Know. Since the holidays are here, and I am enjoying your Christmas shows, there was an old special I can't remember too well, but since the new movie The Star came out, it got me to thinking about this old special. I believe it was a donkey and a boy had to sell him. In the end, I think it was Joseph who bought the donkey. Someone told me I was thinking of Nestor the Long-Eared Donkey, but I just watched it, and it does tell a tale of a donkey carrying Mary, but it's not the one I was remembering. Thoughts? Well, you're asking about one of my favorite holiday cartoons. The small one is a 1978 animated Christmas short film and was originally released before the 1978 re-release of Pinocchio. It's a great tale that takes place outside the city of Nazareth. A young boy and his father own four donkeys. Three of these donkeys are young and strong. The fourth donkey, small one, is old and weak, but the boy loves him anyway. Every day, the boy and the donkey play together before they go to work, helping the boy's father to collect wood. The boy and his father take the donkeys to work one morning, as they always do. Many times, the boy loads small one with small sticks, since small one can't carry heavy loads anymore. Small one even has trouble carrying stacks of small sticks, and the boy helps to carry them for him. That evening, the boy's father tells the boy that he has to sell small one. Devastated, but understanding, the boy asks if he can be the one to sell his best friend. The father agrees and tells him that he has to sell him for one piece of silver. That night, the boy comforts Small One and promises to find him a gentle and loving master. The next morning, the boy takes Small One to the market in Nazareth. Unfortunately, nobody wants an old, weak donkey but the tanner, and he only wants to kill Small One to make leather out of his hide. After failing to find another buyer, the boy and his donkey return to the tanner's shop. The boy weeps and small one, accepting his fate under the tanner's knife, tenderly consoles the boy. Just as everything looks bleak, a kind man comes up to the boy and asks if small one is for sale. The man needs a gentle donkey to carry his pregnant wife to Bethlehem. The boy sells the donkey for one piece of silver, the same price the boy's father agreed upon, and watches as the couple and small one leave on their journey as a bright star appears in the sky. My son has watched this special every year since he was born. On September 27, 2005, Disney released this short film for the first time on DVD on Volume 9, the Walt Disney's classic cartoon favorites titled Classic Holiday Stories. This DVD also featured Mickey's Christmas Carol from 1983 and Pluto's Christmas Tree from 1952. I think it's a must-have holiday DVD for the entire family. Our final question is from Heather S. of South Carolina, and she writes, Merry Christmas 
or whichever you celebrate this season, I have a question for you from a longtime D-Head. My question is about the Muppet Christmas Carol. I own it on DVD and Blu-ray and again on DVD. My question is, there is a scene cut from the Blu-ray in one of the DVDs where Belle sings where love is found. It is odd too since when it's in place in the other DVD, the story makes much more sense from the reprise at the end to why Scrooge and Gonzo are crying after the scene. Thoughts on why it was cut out on the most recent releases? Well, I have you an answer and it's not a simple one. When Love is Gone was a song performed by the character Belle, voiced by Meredith Braun, as she laments that Scrooge's love for money has replaced his love for her. The song itself was cut from the original 1992 theatrical edition by Jeffrey Katzenberg of Walt Disney Studios, who believed that the following scene would not appeal to young children. Instead, the song was played during the end credit scene. Henson objected to this decision. The concluding song, The Love We Found, is the direct counterpoint to it. Director Brian Henson commented, when Love is Gone was not in a theatrical release and it's presently missing from some copies of the movie, which is a real shame. The song, When Love is Gone, is only included on some home media releases of The Muppet Christmas Carol, which are now out of print. The song is included on the 1993 VHS and Laserdisc releases. The Laserdisc version includes the only widescreen presentation this song ever released. The 2002 and 2005 DVD releases do retain the song, but only in the full screen version of the film. A 2012 standalone DVD release of the film uses the same disc from the 2005 release, so it also contains the song. However, a different DVD was used for the 2012 Blu-ray combo pack, which does not contain the song. VHS, Laserdisc, and select DVD releases are the only way to view the Muppet Christmas Carol on home video along with this scene intact. Well D-Heads, that concludes another installment of I Want to Know. Thanks for the great questions and keep them coming. Send all your questions or comments to Aaron, E-R-I-N, at DizRadio.com. Make sure to include your name and city so I can give you credit. And remember, D-Heads, laughter is timeless, imagination has no age, and dreams are forever. We'll see you next week, D-Heads, and Merry Christmas. <laughs> it's in the singing of a street corner choir. It's going home and getting warm by the fire. It's true wherever you find love, it feels like Christmas. A cup of kindness that we share with another. A sweet reunion with a friend or a brother. In all the places you find love, it feels like Christmas. It is the season of the heart, a special time of caring, the ways of love make clear. It is the season of the spirit, the message if we hear it, is make it last on here.
It's all the ways that we show love that feel like Christmas. A quiet childhood will always remember. It is the summer of the soul in December. Yes, when you do your best for love, it feels like Christmas. It is the season of the heart. A special time of caring, the ways of love made clear. It is the season of the spirit, the message if we hear it, is make it last all year. It's in the singing of a street corner choir. It's going home and getting warm by the fire. It's true, wherever you find love, it feels like Christmas. It's true, wherever you find love, it feels like Christmas. It feels like Christmas. And their dealings with stressed envelope to Davis and Kirk. Right down the Tell me, son, are you the owner of this small donkey? I need a gentle donkey to carry my wife to Bethlehem. Is he for sale? Yes, sir. What do you call him? Small one. Small one? Well, he looks strong enough. And kind. <laughs> I can only offer you one silver coin. I know that's very little. No, that's fine. I just want small one to have a good home. Well, my son, he will have. <laughs> oh, there. I'll take good care of him. Goodbye, small one. Be strong and sure afoot and follow your new master. Come along, small one. Come along. Heads, this is Alexa coming at you again with this week's segment of Disney Parks in 5. In general Disney Parks news, this holiday season Disney Parks is donating $5 to the Make-A-Wish Foundation, up to $1 million for each photo you take and share on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, wearing Mickey ears or any fun creative ears, with the hashtag ShareYourEars. 
Disney fans cannot pass up the opportunity to share their ears and help kids in need. Please help Disney donate to the Make-A-Wish Foundation by sharing your ears online. Backed by popular demand, the Ray-Ban sunglasses with Mickey Mouse on the sides are available for purchase again in certain locations of the Walt Disney World Resort and the Disneyland Resort. You can get them at Sunglass Icon at Disney Springs or Island Supply by Sunglass Hut in the Magic Kingdom. Or for the West Coast peeps, they are available at Sunglass Icon in Downtown Disney and the Disney California Adventure Kiosk. They are pretty pricey though, but some might find the sunglasses worth it. Earlier this month, the Food and Allergy Research Education recognized Walt Disney Parks and Resorts as an industry leader in providing safe, quality dining experiences to guests with allergies and special diets at the 20th Annual Food Allergy Ball in New York City. As somebody who has a couple dietary restrictions, this is actually something that I find super cool. There is something to be said about Disney customer service and their yummy food at the same time. Moving on to Disney World, this past week, Disney World announced new details on the upcoming transformations of Disney's Caribbean Beach Resort Hotel. The enhancements to the resort will debut in late summer 2018. Old Port Royale at Disney's Caribbean Beach Resort will be reimagined as the port of entry where guests can check in before embarking on their island vacation. It will offer a more convenient access to services, amenities, and dining. A few new restaurants will be added to the resort as well. Centertown Market will be a casual dining experience. The new Shutters Restaurant will be an outdoor beachfront dining experience neither Cabana Outdoor Bar and Lounge and the Calypso Trading Post. Star Wars fans from across the galaxy are making plans to attend this year's Star Wars Galactic Nights event, which will be held at Disney's Hollywood Studios on December 16th. With celebrity appearances, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge panel discussions, Star Wars-inspired entertainment, fireworks, themed photo ops, and much more, the event will truly be a perfect way for Star Wars fans to celebrate the opening of Star Wars The Last Jedi. There will be special merchandise and food there too, exclusive to this event. Are you really a Star Wars fan if you miss out on that? Moving on to Disneyland, on Wednesday, December 6, 2017, cast members, Imagineers, and Disneyland Resort guests alike celebrated the completion of the hotel-wide renovation on the Grand Californian Resort Hotel and Spa. It is the most expansive renovation on the hotel since its opening in 2001. The changes bring an even more upscale experience for those staying in its rooms. No worries though, the Grand Californian Hotel Re Resort and Spa still holds true to its arts and crafts design style. Disneyland has created brand new harnesses for their residing horses. Handmade at the Disneyland Resort with inlay leather and Disneyland motifs, this harness also features a distinctly decorative piece known as the Scotch Top. This particular harness is not often seen when Disneyland Resort horses participate in community parades, as it is made for a single horse when typically the horses pull two by two. However, for the recent Labor Day Parade, multiple horses were chosen to represent the Disneyland Resort. So Chief, the famous Disneyland horse, was the lucky horse who got to wear this special harness. Thank you for listening to Disney Parks in 5 with me, Alexa. Let me know your thoughts and experiences on my social medias titled Disney Till You're Dizzy. You can find me on my YouTube channel, Disney Till You're Dizzy, and find both my books on Amazon, Disney Till You're Dizzy 1001 Facts, Rumors, and Myths About the Disneyland Resort, and Disney Till You're Dizzy 1001 Facts, Rumors, and Myths About Walt Disney World Volume 1. You can email me your thoughts at 
A-L-E-X-A at DizRadio.com. That's Alexa at DizRadio.com. Always remember that there's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day. And tune in next time for more Disney Parks and Five. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Rushing through a snow, in a one-horse open sleigh. Oh, what fun we go, Spirits bright. What fun it is to ride and sing a swaying song tonight. Oh, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one horse open sleigh. Gosh, the snow looks beautiful. I got it done. Michael Tagan here, Sheriff Dan from the Buddies movies and Tron Legacy. You are listening to Disney On Demand. Who let the dogs out?
Hello everyone, this is Dominic, recovering from emergency eye surgery with another edition of Disney Short Leash. If you're new to the segment, a short leash isn't something to keep zero out of Christmas Town. No, the short leash is a series of tips for people to get the most out of the Walt Disney World vacation when they're short on time or short on money. With any luck, you'll be able to try some of these suggestions and quite possibly do as much, if not more, than someone vacationing with a greater amount of time or a larger budget. Two weeks ago, I said we'd dedicate this month to recap how our family planned and executed a short-leash Disney trip over Christmas week that acted both as a 40th birthday present for my wife and a surprise Christmas present for our three kids. We covered the thinking behind such a trip as well as the initial planning and cost two weeks ago, and last week we covered what we did to fill the day with Disney fun on our arrival, although we did not have park tickets. But today is the main event. We'll talk about our first ticketed day of the trip, what we did, why we did it, and a year after reflection, what would we do differently? After spending a 16 to 17 hour drive in the car, surprising your kids with tickets to Disney World, and then spending the remainder of that day teasing them at resorts and shopping areas where we didn't buy anything, you gotta make your first ticketed day big. And when you're talking jaw-dropping immersion into a land of fantasy and child wonderment, there's only one place to go. Epcot. Yeah, I was just as surprised as you when we made that our first stop. With only three ticketed days, I was surprised that we went to Epcot at all, let alone first. And we didn't even have park hopping tickets, so we couldn't leave. It was like Blade Runner, or Logan's Run, or The Running Man, or Escape from New York, or basically any futuristic movie where you're trapped and have to run. So why did we do it? Well, there are three reasons. One, Pandora wasn't open yet in Animal Kingdom, and so they were still closing early. Apparently anything's open in Hollywood Studios, and it was the gap year between the Osborne Light Show, which, hold on, sidebar, was I the only guy disappointed that the Osborne Light Show wasn't some Black Sabbath heavy metal rock spectacular? Well, anyway, that wasn't there, and what's currently going on in Sunset Boulevard hadn't started yet, so that was out. And it was December 30th, so we were saving New Year's Eve for the Magic Kingdom. Believe it or not, Epcot on paper really had the most holiday events going on. We were still convinced that the crowds were going to keep us from most attractions, so the Epcot holiday events really sold us, and the fact that December 30th was the last day to see the candlelight processional made it a no-brainer. We came semi-prepared, armed with fast passes for a Soarin' missing space and either living with the land or spaceship Earth, I really don't remember. I believe Test Track and Soarin' were a pick'em. You can get one but not the other, and we chose the Soarin' Fast Pass because the new film had premiered and we hadn't seen it yet. Not staying on property kept us from early Frozen Fast Passes, which were long gone by the time we got tickets for this spontaneous surprise vacation. That's okay, because like Hannibal from the A-Team and the guy who played Hannibal in Rogue One, we had a plan. We got there when the gate opened and ran straight for Frozen. We stuck to the paths that lead to the Mexico Pavilion, and we arrived in line when there was less than a 10-minute wait, to the delight of my fourth-grade daughter and to the chagrin of my third-grade son. Upon our exit, the wait time had already ballooned to over an hour. No fast pass, no problem, but timing is everything. Then it was off to the Land Pavilion, which features a boat ride on water and a hang-gliding ride in the air. There's nothing really land about it. As it turns out, be it either the extra theater or the early time of day, the Soaring Fast Pass is probably unnecessary because we walked right in. The new movie is okay, but they have many shots of tall, slender structures that appeared crooked and bent when viewed on a concave screen, which I felt was a distracting choice. We of course hit my wife's favorite ride, Living with the Land. Why she likes to watch plants grow is beyond me, but everything, including the fruits and vegetables, were decorated for the holidays, so that was interesting. Next stop was the Imagination Pavilion to see Figment and some Disney Pixar shorts. Again, no wait. 
We took a walk to our favorite napping spot, Ellen's Energy Adventure, which is neither energetic nor an adventure. I can't remember the last time we survived the 40 plus minutes fully conscious. I didn't make it this time either. Mission Space was up. We had a fast pass and we did Mission Intense. There was a bit of a standby line for Mission Wuss, but it wasn't terrible. The Electric Umbrella was our lunch spot. We ate lunch there, but we didn't eat their lunch there. We loved Disney Counter Service. Cosmic Rays and Pecos Bill are our jam. We don't need fancy or chic. Chicken and burgers will do fine, but the last lunch we had at the Electric Umbrella was terrible, so we picked up a table and ate lunch that we made from the groceries that we bought at the Polynesian Resort the day before. For drinks, we went to Club Cool because it's free. That place is like cola Russian roulette though. Even when it works out and you get a good cola, it probably wasn't worth the risk. 20 to 30 small Dennis spit cups of soda later, we watched a high octane, super energetic and unending gospel choir. They're probably still going. If singing had a CrossFit program, they would be it. And then again with the boat ride as we floated through Mexico. There was also a holiday mariachi band that was fantastically fun there as well. The countries were filled with holiday storytellers, and unfortunately we missed every one of them. The kids played a little quest with Phineas and Ferb, though, and we traded our Spaceship Earth Fast Pass because the line was short. I think we switched it for Turtle Talk or something. But in we went to the giant ball sponsored by Siemens to have Judy Dench talk down to us. Then it was time for the reason we were there, a live orchestra and choir with Cal Ripken Jr. narrating the Candlelight Processional. We stood in the standby line and still got a great seat without much of a wait, so we found no real reason for any add-on packages. Nearby was the American Adventure where Ben Franklin and Mark Twain put me to sleep for a few minutes. We stopped for Chinese at China but at the counter-service version of the Nine Dragons to save time and money. Zigzagging wildly, we hit the sea with Nemo and friends. We talked to Crush and saw a pooping manatee. The single rider entrance to Test Track got us right onto the ride, and by then it was time for Illumination Fireworks with a special holiday tag. And that was it for our first ticketed day on our surprise Christmas short leash trip. There you have it, people. I hope you enjoyed the tip. I do have an official Diz Radio email, so I'd love to hear from you with a hi, some questions, suggestions, or even your own short leash tips at dominic at dizradio.com. That's D-O-M-E-N-I-C at dizradio.com. I also can be found on the internet at Twitter at WDWPlantoons, and you can see our Disney planning cartoon show and videos from this very short leash trip I'm talking to you about right now on YouTube or your favorite podcast apps by searching WDW Plantoons or by visiting plantoons.com. Well, folks, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. Twas the night before Christmas and all through the cabin. Not a creature was stirring, not even a dragon. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that Elliot soon would be there. Pete and Natalie were all snug in their beds, while visions of dragons danced in their heads. And Jack in his kerchief, and I in my cap, had just settled down for a long winter's nap. When outside the house there arose such a sound, I sprang from bed to see what would be found. Away to the window I flew like a park ranger, tore open the shutters and looking for danger. And then, in a twinkling, I heard up above, this mighty dragon land, gentle as a dove. As I drew in my head and was turning around, from up the chimney came a distinctive sound. He was furry and green, not like a jolly old elf, and I smiled when I saw him in spite of myself. 
a flick of his tail, and a flap of his wings, soon led me to know not to fear such kind things. He sprang off the roof to a sky he did soar, as all of us jumped up and ran out the door. I heard Pete exclaim as the dragon flew away, Merry Christmas, Elliot! See you again someday! Let's start those projectors and look at this week's Hollywood Walk. How do you do, D-Heads? This is Chaz, and I'm back with another installment of the Hollywood Walk. As we continue our holiday season celebration, we have another fantastic guest to help us celebrate. It's Sean Marshall of Pete's Dragon and the Small One. Not to be confused with Sean Marshall, the former pitcher for the Chicago Cubs. No, we are talking to the man who at the time was the boy behind some of our most cherished Disney projects. Sean was born June 19, 1965 in Canoga Park, California, and began acting six years later in 1971. Some of his earliest roles were small roles in television shows like Kung Fu and Little House on the Prairie. After four years of work on television and the feature film, The Deadly Trackers, he caught the eye of the Walt Disney Company and was cast as the protagonist of my all-time favorite film from my childhood, Pete's Dragon. As a matter of fact, my Instagram is Chazzledazzle, inspired by the fantastically upbeat song, Brazzle Dazzle Day. As we should all know, Pete's Dragon is set in the fictional town of Passamaquoddy, Maine, which, of course, is on the eastern seaboard. But, if you pay close attention, you'll notice that in this fictional town, the sun runs backwards and rises in the west while setting in the east. It's particularly noticeable when Nora, played by Helen Reddy, leaves the lighthouse after putting Pete to bed. Now this isn't a plot point or a parallel universe or anything like that, but simply an unavoidable consequence of filming on the west coast. Filming actually took place at a lighthouse that Disney built on Point Buchan Trail just south of Los Olmos, California. After Pete's Dragon, Sean returned to television as part of the main cast of The Fitzpatricks, a show that lasted one season and was about an Irish Catholic family in Flint, Michigan. Another cast member of note was a young Helen Hunt. Not much after this, he voiced The Boy in the animated short The Small One. If you've never seen this, it's a wonderful thing to watch during this Christmas season. It's about a young boy and his old donkey in Nazareth. It's a story with a wonderful message of love and sacrifice, and since I don't want to spoil it for others, I will leave the plot description at that. Small One is one of the very few Disney projects to have a tone of religion in it. It was directed by Don Bluth, who was also the animation director on Pete's Dragon. Sean didn't continue acting much longer. In 1978, he left the entertainment industry to pursue an education. He attended Notre Dame College Prep in Niles, Illinois, which is a township in greater Chicago area. By 1983, he had received a congressional appointment to the United States Merchant Marine Academy. Four years later, he graduated with a Bachelor's of Science in Marine Transportation and received an officer's appointment to the U.S. Maritime Service and Naval Reserve. Sean is now retired and living in New Mexico. Well, that's all I have for this week. 
Sean may have had a relatively short acting career, but it is certainly memorable. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns about the Hollywood Walk, I do have a Diz Radio email where I can be reached, and that is Chaz, spelled C-H-A-Z, at DizRadio.com. Coming up after this is Jonathan and Sean. So until next time, don't just fly, soar. Don't worry, small one. You won't have to carry those heavy sticks anymore. I won't sell you to just anyone. You'll be someone special. Someone who will feed you, and brush your coat, and take the burrs out of your tail. There must be such a man somewhere. We'll find a friendly face to be by your side, sharing laughter, sharing tears, just like you and I. We'll find a friendly face who's gentle and true, ever smile. Camera, action! It's time for this week's Disney On Demand special guest! Alright all of you Disney fans, you tuned in for another magical installment of Disney Blues, Diz Radio, and the Diz Radio Show. And as we continue to bring you the magic and memories from your lifetime of Disney, whether that be movies, television, animated shorts, you name it, there's always magic in the memories, things that get passed down to generations. And with us here this week is somebody that is no stranger to any of that. You know him as Pete from Pete's Dragon. He was also the voice of the young boy in our favorite Christmas classic, Small One. He's a musician, many other things. We have none other than Sean Marshall here. Welcome to Diz Radio. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It is our pleasure having you on. I mean, your credits are those among, I guess, Disney classics, perennials, ones that always get passed on to generations, ones that I've passed on to all four of my kids as well. I guess with that, jumping into it, you got started acting at a young age. I guess what led you down that road of wanting to jump into this uh, kind of crazy career, you know, being young, wanting to play pretend, be an actor? Um, It was... I started at six. It's kind of, a, kind of a weird story. We were taking, my brother and I were taking swimming lessons, and there was another kid there who was an actor, and his mom told my mom that they should get us into the industry because we had red hair. And at the time, red hair was a very popular, all-American look. 
So that's pretty much what we did. We just went and met her agent, and that was it. We signed up. Well, you know, and it's one of those things where, you know, it ended up working out for you because, you know, you were part of so many different things, you know, getting in, involved with a lot of stuff. And, of course, the Disney classic, the one that everybody loves, full with music and more. And um, we've even had a chance to talk with Helen Reddy a few times here on our show you got to play Pete and Pete's Dragon. What was it like being part of this, I guess, live action slash animated classic for Disney and, I guess, being part of that magic and wonder of uh, being on the Disney Studios? Oh, yeah, it was fantastic. That was back, oh, my gosh, I think it was back in 76 when we did it. Um, so Disney was still kind of owned by the Disney family, um, and it was a real kind of family-like atmosphere. The studio is, is fantastic. I think it's probably the best studio around. Um, you know, all the streets are named after Disney characters and, you know, there's lots of flowers and all that kind of stuff. They have all the, uh, the different music buildings and animation buildings. Um, and of course they have the archive building where you can go and see all of the old, uh, Disney classics and, and, uh, the movies themselves, but you can also see the stills and everything that kind of went into it. So it was really fantastic. Well, you know, and with that, too, I guess being part of that, because, you know, at that age, Disney, of course, you know, has created so many different things even leading up to that. How did you get uh, chosen and, I guess, uh, you know, being part of this movie and being Pete and being part of this, you know, epic musical? And I guess, uh, were you just as excited to be part of this film? Oh, yeah. We, I was super excited. It was it was a very, very long interview process. I think it took six months overall to pick, um, you know, to pick the final character. There were several hundred kids, and we went back for, oh, my gosh, it must have been probably 20, 20, 25 interviews, you know, and follow-up interviews and everything else. It finally came down to myself and a good friend of mine at the time, uh, Shane Sinuko, and then they um, they actually did filming. You know, they actually put the lights on us and the wardrobe and the makeup and everything, and then we did our lines, and that's how they kind of chose the final character. Well, you know, and with that, too, then, because it was live action and animated, I'm sure you've been asked this a million different times. I guess, how was it trying to, you know, act and, you know, imagine that something's there, knowing that at some point the animators are going to fill it in? And, you know, I guess, was that difficult to do? You know what? For me, it was really easy, and that's kind of what Don Chafee, who was the director, said, is that I did it kind of so believably, but I, I had a very, very active imagination, um, especially at that age. Um, so it was really, really easy for me. I mean, the hardest part of it all was, you know, they have the big, huge studio lights, which, you know, burn lead poles, and they come out really, really bright. The hardest part was looking up into lights <laughs> and um, <laughs> trying to pretend it was the dragon. Because, you know, your, light, your eyes are watering, and you, you can't really see anything. And that was really the hardest part for me. Everything else came very, very easy. Well, you know, and with that, too, I guess with that, you know, everything coming easy, you also had a great supporting cast, you know, Mickey Rooney, Helen Reddy. I mean, it's just great actors. Now, at that age, did you realize the caliber of the supporting cast that you were with and kind of soak up some of their knowledge? For sure. Um, we were always a movie family. We watched all the movies. I knew pretty much everyone. Um, I even knew Jim Dale, who... You know, it was really kind of a big actor in England at the time, but he had that hit way back then, which was Hey There, Georgie Girl, so I knew him from there. Um, but it was really fantastic. And having guys like Mickey Rooney and Red Buttons, they are just, they were so funny all the time. It was just an absolute 
fantastic experience to be working with them. Well, and being on the set too, you know, because you were at such a young age, I guess, was it like a great big family being part of this cast? I mean, did you guys, were you guys laughing, goofing around, you know, just making those great memories off camera as well? It was, it was truly fantastic. Um, I had a teacher on set. She had worked for Disney a lot. Even our makeup man was Tommy from the original Mouseketeers. Um, so, you know, I mean, just everyone, you know, had something to do with Disney. And it really, it really is like a family. Even to this day, it's still like a family. Well, and with that, too, I guess being on set and, you know, having to film and, you know, create these scenes, you know, playing imaginary with animated characters, things like that. Was there any scene back then that still remains dear to your heart, whether that was just a great heartwarming scene or it was just a fun one that, you, you know, you just had the best day working on? Yeah, you know, there's. There's the scene where Pete's coming into town, um, and Ellie's coming behind him, and he's invisible. And there's a whole bunch of stuff that happens, right? He he runs his tail along the fence, and the you know all the picket fence comes apart, and then he walks through cement, and you see the dragon footprints. Um, there's a guy delivering eggs, and he knocks him over. All that stuff was a lot of special effects. And for me, at six years old, all that stuff was absolutely fascinating. I loved every single aspect of that whole kind of filming experience. That took a few days to do. It was That was really, I think, probably the funnest I had. Well, and when the film finally came out and you had a chance to sit back, watch it, whatnot, were you just as taken back by the story then finally seeing all the full animation, seeing everything cut together? Uh, I guess, were you satisfied with that final, uh, that final cut, watching it and just finally seeing yourself interact with Elliot? Yeah, I mean, you know, we went and we saw dailies every day, um, so we kind of had an expectation. But, yeah, when it all came together, it it, it really was um, kind of fantastic. I'm not one of those – I'm one of those actors who doesn't really like watching myself. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I was always kind of real critical of myself. Um, but, yeah, the movie is just absolutely fantastic. And, you know, even though – um, I was critical. We did, you know, go to the dailies every day to see how things were working out and talk about what we could do better and that kind of stuff. Well, and, you know, and after after it got released, of course, you know, came out, I believe it finally got released generally in 77. I guess how often did you go out and about and just get noticed then and everyone was just like bombarding you as, oh, my gosh, there's Pete. Oh, yeah. As far as recognition goes, yeah, I just started with Disney. Really, I mean, I had done a couple things before. But with Disney, it really, really took off. Um, you know, even when I went back to my normal school, our teacher took the whole class to go and see it and, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. But, yeah, I, I got recognized a lot right away, um, right after the movie came out. And, you know, plus we do a lot of – Disney, back then, I'm sure they probably still do, do a lot of publicity. So we went all around uh, the United States for uh, the uh, premiere, when it was premiering. So we went to, you know, New York, and I actually rode the first um, Elliot that they have in the light parade in, in Disneyland. I rode it down Fifth Avenue. Um, and uh, then I rode it again when we were in Florida at the, uh, I believe it was the Orange Bowl in the halftime show. Um, it was very similar to, you remember Katy Perry a couple of years ago wrote a big, I think it was a lighted Disney thing, and she, you know, sang her songs and all that. That's kind of what we did in the Orange Bowl as well. So we kind of toured all around and um, for the premiere, and it was all of us. You know, it was myself and, and Mickey Rooney and Helen Reddy. Uh, I remember Helen Reddy and I 
singing all over New York. They drew in crowds and and we'd sing uh, live for the the people that just kind of showed up. So and that was you know that obviously we were it was publicity for the premiere, but the premiere wasn't taking place at the time. We just had publicity things we did. So that was all yeah really fantastic. Well, and like you said too, you know it's all those things that really you know helped solidify this film. And of course you know doing the PR, doing the press junkets, but being able to ride the very first Elliot for the Main Street Electrical Parade. I mean that is part of something right there that is true Disney history as well. Now, with that, looking back now at Pete's Dragon, looking back at this film, did you ever in your wildest dreams realize that it was going to carry on for so many years, so many generations? Uh, my children, I mean, I know Disney has rebooted Pete's Dragon in recent years, but my children still prefer the original over the reboot. Did you think it would ever have this lasting power? I'm so happy to hear that they still like it, and I still have a lot of fans. I still get a lot of uh, fan mail all the time. Um, I am kind of a little shocked. I mean, at the time, the Disney people, the producers, the choreographers, the um, the guys who wrote the songs, all those guys have been working for Disney for a long time, and they all kind of told me, you know, this is going to be a Disney classic, like pretty much all the stuff that Disney makes, um, and it would be around for a while. So I did have an expectation. I'm still kind of shocked, though, that even now, all these decades later, that, you know, I still have, you know, I still get fan mail and still get contacted by people, and they still send me things in the mail. You know, here's a little classic Elliot I got in Germany, and they'll send it to me and that kind of stuff. So it is kind of amazing. Well, you know, and with that, too, moving aside from Just Pete's Dragon, you were also part of something that, I personally truly love. It's a book that I read to my children every single year during Christmas, and that's the small one. And you got a part to be part of that animated short, which, you know, it's a great perennial one from Disney and definitely in a different vein than their normal kind of Christmas uh, shorts. Uh, I guess, what was it like lending your voice to this and creating this kind of Christmas classic that still lives on today? Yeah, that was another fantastic. That was right after we finished Peach Dragon. I mean, right after, like maybe a week or so. Uh, we did that, and um, yeah, that was fantastic too. We really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed being part of something that was going to become a, an enduring Christmas classic. I still hear people talk about it every now and then on talk shows, um, which really amazes me. Um, but yeah, it really has touched a lot of people's hearts, and it was a real, a real nice little project. I think we only did it for it may have been two or maybe three days at the most. The voiceover stuff, and of course, obviously, the animators. Uh, spent more time on it, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of that as well. Well, you know, and like you said, too, it's one of those little shorts, something that became a Christmas classic, telling that, I guess, you know, a different take of a tale, um, you know, of, uh, you know, the donkey, what happened in the manger, things like that. I guess watching that back, too, is that something that uh, even to this day, like you said, talk shows bring it up, other people bring it up. Um, is this one of those that uh, do you ever find yourself going back and catching this one on TV as well and watching it since you're actually not watching yourself on screen? You know, it was... I had, by this time, since we had spent six months filming Peach Dragon, I had gotten used to, you know, singing and dancing. Obviously, this was a cartoon, so it was just my voice. But at that time, I felt really, really comfortable uh, singing. Um, I was working with a lot, a lot of the same people that had done Peach Dragon when we did Small One. Um, so it was just, it was really, really nice to kind of, after wrapping up Peach Dragon, to go directly into Small One was just really a, a really pleasant experience and, and pleasant feeling. 
Well, you know, and with that too, like you said, you got used to singing and dancing and, uh, you know, performing like that as well, being on Pete's Dragon. I guess looking at that and looking at many of the songs that you had a chance to be part of, is there any song that is still your favorite that you performed? Um, let's see. I mean, obviously I liked, I, Candle on the Water was a fantastic song. It wasn't mine. It was, uh, Helen Reddy's and it was nominated for an Academy Award. Um, I know a lot of people think of that. Small One, of course, singing the actual song, Small One, uh, people do ask me about all the time. Um, as far as Peach, Peach Dragon itself, I'm trying to think. You know, they were just all so good. And I worked with all those guys, uh, um, oh, what was his name? Erwin and, uh, Erwin Costell and who were the guys who kind of wrote it and put it all together. They worked with me for probably a month, um, as did the choreographers and everyone else when we were working out how we were going to, you know, do all the dancing and the singing and everything. So working with them was absolutely fantastic, too. I mean, you know, those guys were, all had multiple Academy Awards. They really knew what they were doing. They really helped me out with my singing. And and like I said, like we were talking about earlier, it's all kind of a big family, so they're all so pleasant to work with. It was really, really a great experience. Definitely. Well, you know, and I know, like you said, you, you've gotten fan mail over the years, things like that. I guess, have you ever gotten the one piece of craziest fan mail or I guess that one over-the-top fan where you're like, wow, I have really touched their life. Oh, yeah. I Like like I said, I've, I've gotten so much fan mail. It's 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 incredible. I have gotten some crazy fan mail from, from fans, but um, yeah, I get and still to this day, I get a lot of <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of fan mail from parents writing for their kids. You know, I, my kids, I, we watched this when we were a kid. Now I have children and and they're watching it, and they really like it. So, can you send them an autograph? I'm I'm kind of amazed how all that still um, is still going on. Well, definitely, and like you said too, it's it's one of those. I mean, I've mentioned it as well. My children still love that film and prefer it over the reboot. Now, I guess you know I don't want to take too much of your time here. We know you know busy schedule and all, but looking back at Pete's Dragon, Small One, all the people's lives you've touched over the years, and and items like that. I guess uh, you know with that too, knowing that you play this part in the Disney catalog, and I guess this uh, Disney classics that everybody loves and knows. Uh, is there anything out there that you'd like to say to anybody listening in whose lives you've touched over the many years? I'm just I'm just real real happy that it, it has endured for so long. I'm I'm extremely happy. It always overwhelms me that parents are showing their children. Parents who saw it when they were kids are, have kind of passed it along to their children. And that goes for a small one as well. Um, and I just get that <clears throat> at least once a week I have someone who sends me a piece of fan mail saying that very thing. And that's really, really touching. Um, it makes me very, very proud of, of our work. Um, I'm proud of everyone I worked with as well. Very good. Well, it was our pleasure having you stop in, take this chat down memory lane. Of course, you know, playing that part in so many people's lives with Small One, Pete's Dragon, everything that you've been part of, you know, creating these memories and these moments for people, they takes them back to that time when they're sitting down, watching it with their family, creating new memories as well. So it was our pleasure having you stop in, chat with us, take this moment to trip back, and of course, for creating these classics for us. Oh, my pleasure, and thanks so much for having me, Jonathan. I appreciate it. But we fit so neatly 
selected scenes from his first big musical motion picture, Babes in Toyland. Every sparkling moment, an exciting new entertainment treat. Starring Ray Bolger, Tommy Sands, and Annette, and Ed Wynn. Don't miss Babes in Toyland, coming at Christmas time to a theater near you. Hey everybody, this is Dan Payne, the Beast from Descendants, and you might be seeing me in Muppet movies and whatnot. You're listening to Disney On Demand. Stay tuned. Sure, can I try that one more time? Hey everybody, this is Dan Payne from Descendants. I play the Beast. Nope, that's not going to work either. Um, hey everybody, this is Dan Payne, the Beast from Descendants and other Muppet movies. You're listening to Disney On Demand. Stay tuned. Nope, that sounds too cheesy. Merry Christmas, all you D-heads. It's Frank, bringing you another edition of Disney's Quote of the Week. We're less than two weeks away from Santa's big journey across the globe. I hope everyone was nice this year. I hear he knows. This time of the year has me thinking of The Nightmare Before Christmas. The 1993 American stop-motion animated musical Dark Fantasy was conceived and produced by Tim Burton. It tells the story of Jack Skellington, a resident of Halloween Town who stumbles through a portal to Christmastown and decides to celebrate the holiday with some dastardly and comical consequences. The Nightmare Before Christmas originated in a poem written by Tim Burton in 1982 
while he was an animator at Walt Disney's feature animation. Walt Disney Studios began to consider developing The Nightmare Before Christmas as either a short film or a 30-minute television special. Over the years, though, Burton's thoughts regularly returned to the project, and in 1990, Burton struck a development deal with Disney, and production started in July 1991. Now, Disney released the film through its Touchstone Pictures banner because the studio believed the film would be just a little too dark and scary for kids. The film was met with both critical and financial success, grossing over $76 million during its initial run. This week's quote comes from the movie at the end, where Jack Skellington and Sally declare their love for each other. My dearest friend, if you don't mind, I'd like to join you by your side, where we can gaze into the stars and sit together now and forever, for it's plain as anyone can see, we're simply meant to be. Well, that's all the time I have this week, D-Heads. Drop me a line, say hello. Love to hear from you. My email address, frank at disradio.com. I hope all you D-Heads have a wonderful holiday season, and remember, have a magical week. Ring out through your ribcage. Yes, let your voice moan. When you sing at the mansion, you're never alone. <laughs> God rest you merry grinning ghosts. There's no need for dismay. It's time to rise out of your crypts to see Jack's holiday. A frightening world of Christmas dreams to lead our hearts astray. Within the mansion you will find a holiday of fright. Jack's Christmas yuletide wonder of devilish delight. The wicked makes a mold and mirth. Oh, spirits, take your flight. Oh, spirits, you won't Cold and ice, grim grinning ghosts come out and socialize. Grim grinning ghosts come out and socialize. Ah, humbug! He was the greediest man alive. Ebenezer Scrooge. Until the night he met someone extraordinary. Hello. The Muppet Christmas Carol. I'll drink to Mr. Scrooge. Even though he is odious and stingy and badly dressed. Humbug. Oh, there goes Mr. Humbug. There goes Mr. Grin. Do you think it's safe for us to be up here? Yeah! It's a game of prize for being me. The winner would be him. Yes, Mr. Cratchit. If you please, Mr. Scrooge. The bookkeeping staff would like to have an extra shovel full of coal for the fire. Our assets are frozen. How would the bookkeepers like to be suddenly unemployed? Wait, wait. Oi! This is my island in the sun. Uh, oi, oi.
It's Charles Dickens' classic tale, oh! as only the Muppets can tell it. It's good to be heckling again. It's good to be doing anything again. Filled with holiday warmth. Hey, 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 like the lamp, not the rat, like the lamp, not the rat. And Christmas spirit. Scrooge. Jacob Molly. <laughs> Scary stuff. Hey, should we be worried about the kids in the audience? No, it's all right. This is culture. This is the movie to see, to share, to cherish with someone you love. Thank you for making me a part of this. Walt Disney Pictures presents, from Jim Henson Productions, The Muppet Christmas Carol. God bless us, everyone. Whatever. And now, a Disney On Demand memory. All right, LVD Head, so I am back. And of course, this is my time where I'm going to stop in with a magical memory of my own. Now, this isn't something I do too often here at the show, but you've been hearing the D-Team all show long doing this, and there's a lot of great things. I love the Christmas season. This is that time of the year when things are magical, and you can just, anything can happen. You know, you just got to remember, it's a wonderful life no matter what's happening. Definitely just show that purpose. Have that fun. Just spread that cheer, that smile. You never know how it's going to affect somebody. So stopping in here with my favorite Disney underrated classic. Okay, well, before I do that, I got to say I'm excited anyways because this weekend I get to see my son sing in a Christmas choir that's taking place at a great children's toy drive. It is called the Children's to Children Toy Drive where they have all kinds of acts. You're going to have the 501st there. You're going to have Santa Claus there. And, of course, all these kids come, they sing, they do things, and children bring toys to donate on their own to other children that are more needy. I love this cause, and I get to see my son singing that here this weekend. So I'm really excited for that, on top of going to see The Last Jedi. So that is going to be a great Christmas memory. I, I, I'm really excited for something like this because it truly shows you that, you know, it's that time of the year when you want to give back to children. Now, getting back to my magical memory, the most underrated Disney classic, I have to say, is one of course, for our guests that we have here this week. Now, I know it sounds cliche because Sean Marshall is our guest, but let's just say I've been trying to have him here on the show for a while because the small one is my true favorite underrated Disney Christmas classic. It tells the tale of a young boy who has to sell his donkey because he can't carry his weight anymore on the family's farm, and he has to sell him. He takes him to town, and I don't want to spoil it, but just let's just say in the end, a very nice gentleman who needs a donkey to carry his wife does end up purchasing the donkey. It is one that you want to have the tears for. It is heartwarming. Of course, Don Bluth is the person behind this who we all know left the Disney company and created such great things like American Tale and so many other ones. It's just a truly Disney underrated classic. Now, another Disney underrated classic here that I do want to share with you is one that is a little bit different, and it's the Mickey's Christmas Carol. Now, I'm not talking about the 1982 classic. I am talking about the one that came out on Disneyland Records from the Walt Disney Players. Now, this LP is a great rendition of Disney's Christmas Carol. Now, of course, there's different ghosts. So you have like Merlin being the ghost of Christmas past. The Wicked Witch from Snow White is the the one of the future. Um, and it's different because it has full songs. I have to say this is the one that they should have made the animated classic. Seriously, find it, listen to it. It is one that they should have made. It is chock full with like 10 different tracks, great songs. It's true Disney in essence. That's the thing. It really captures Disney. 
and I wish they would have made that the 1982 special. Don't get me wrong, I do love Mickey's Christmas Carol, but this one should have been the version they adapted. I mean, they did keep a lot of the same elements in adapting it, um, you know, so this LP that came out probably about five years prior to Mickey's Christmas Carol still was the true inspiration for it, but it is a great classic. So all of you D-heads, I'm going to leave you with that. My Magical Memories, great Disney underrated classics, and uh, I'm going to press on here. I'm going to leave you. I'm going to continue on here with the show because we have a lot of fun things going on all throughout the show here this week. So I'm going to stop my rambling here because I tend to do that a little too much. So uh, I'm going to release the reins here back once again, and let's press on here with the show. And Merry, Merry Christmas. Make it the most magical Christmas that you could possibly have. And of course, since you are in the heart of Hanukkah, for all of you that celebrate Hanukkah, Happy Hanukkah to you as well. Scooter? Yes, ma'am. Gonzo? Check. Robin? Yes, Miss Piggy. This is what we're going to sing. Christmas is coming. The goose is getting fat. Nice. Please do put the penny in the old man's hat. If you haven't got the penny, a head penny will do. If you haven't got the head penny, then God bless you. Good. Mm-hmm. Now, Scooter, uh-huh. you come in after my first line, right. and you two boys follow. Candlelight Processional is an absolutely amazing experience. Actually started by Walt Disney himself when Disneyland first opened in 1955. Came to Walt Disney World in 1971, moved from the Magic Kingdom to Epcot in 1994, and we've been doing it ever since. On stage there are more than 400 performers. In addition, we have about 50 people backstage to help coordinate all of this. So. 450 people are really it takes to put on this performance. I joined the choir 15 years ago, and you've been with it 20 years, yes. right? And we sort of noticed each other at rehearsals. I noticed you first. That's true, you did. Okay, well, <laughs> and we started dating, and a year later, he proposed in front of the whole choir. We met, we fell in love, all at this amazing show, Candlelight Processional. I sing in the choir, and... I can sing in the choir because I work for Disney during the winter. I live in central New York, so I live there during the summertime, and then we come down here for the winter, like November through May. And I have been in it for the last nine years now. I would like to be in it for, I don't know how many years more. I love that it's the cast because um, it's a passion for most, I would say, all of us that we want to be here. It's not something, it's a volunteer thing. It's something that we have joy to do and want to do. I always tell my family, I think I get more out of it than the audience gets out of it. It makes Christmas for me to see them enjoy and have a great time. (laughs) 
Hello to all you D-heads, Mike here uh, with another installment of In Walt's Footsteps. Now normally I record these on location in the parks, and I was actually in the park we're going to talk about today, the other day, but unfortunately uh, I forgot my microphone and couldn't do a recording. So this one you're going to get from the house. But for this week, I wanted to talk about Walt's original vision for Epcot. The park that we now know as the place with Soren and Food and Wine Festival and Test Track and Food and Wine Festival. And did I say Food and Wine Festival? Because that kind of is what become has what Epcot has become. Kind of the festival park. And while that's not really a problem, I mean I certainly enjoy it every fall and I really actually enjoy Flower and Garden Festival a little bit more than Food and Wine. But that's a totally different topic for a totally different day. These weren't exactly what Walt wanted for Epcot in the original concept. I mean, originally Epcot, which of course stands for Experimental Prototype Community of Tomorrow, uh, was its purpose was to be a real city that would never cease to be a blueprint of the future. And it was designed to stimulate American industry to develop new ideas for urban living. The city was actually planned to be a company town. The Epcot philosophy, quote-unquote, was part of Walt Disney's original plan for the property purchased when he started the Florida Project. But after his death in 1966, the property, of course, became the Walt Disney World Resort in 1971, and then Epcot the theme park came in 1982. Now, Walt devised a way to make a full use out of this Florida property, with Epcot as its central attraction. All guests would enter and leave Disney World in the same general area, uh, kind of like they do now with I-4 and the Florida Turnpike. Arriving by car or at the Disney World Airport in the southern part of the property, which is actually down closer to more where I live, down towards 192. Uh, now, when guests would be shuttled, guests would then be shuttled by monorail to the Disney World Welcome Center, kind of like a guess what you could imagine to be kind of like the TTC. Now, from there, guests would be welcomed by Disney hosts and hostess able to speak in the guest-owned languages. Now, this does sound familiar because if you think about World Showcase now, well, they do cast those cast members from those native countries and with things like Kidcot and and even just being, you know, a general polite person to the guest, you can always learn something in that country's native language or maybe something about their culture, which is the idea of World Showcase to begin with. Now, after every aspect of their stay had been planned, guests would then reboard the monorail to Epcot. And before arriving at Epcot, guests would have the opportunity to visit Epcot's industrial park, the park's offices and laboratories, which would be occupied by major American corporations. Because keep in mind, Epcot was supposed to be this utopian city where people lived and worked all together. No one would be unemployed. Everyone would would pitch in to help the city be successful. And that was what Epcot was supposed to be. Nothing like the theme park that we get today. Now, if you get the chance, on YouTube, you can find it's about a 25-26 minute little video 
of Walt Disney actually showing off a wall-size original map of Epcot. You can actually find this uh, same, not the same map, but a duplicate of this shot in the one, uh, well, what used to be One Man's Dream, now known as Walt Disney Presents. Uh, you can find that in there, uh, a duplicate of Walt showing off the Epcot map. But he led guests and told them more about what Epcot was going to be, more about this utopian community. And the next time you're in Magic Kingdom, you can actually, if you ride the TTA or the Wedway People Mover, whichever one you want to call it, I prefer People Mover, which originally was going to be the method of transportation through Epcot. So that's actually where you get the People Mover from. Uh, it's, it was actually supposed to be a functional part of the original concept of Epcot. However, if you ride the Tomorrowland version of the People Mover, you actually do pass a much scaled-down model of the original Epcot plans uh, towards the end of the ride. You can actually see it there to the left, and you can see kind of what Walt had. This almost, you know, hub-and-spoke design, like Magic Kingdom, where the city was in the middle, and the residential areas were all circled around on the outside. And from what I understand, it was all encased inside of a dome, much like guests think Disney World is today. It's not, however. So, next time you're on the People Mover, you can take a glance at that model. But if you get the chance, there's a lot of information about the original Epcot that you can find. A simple Google, there are books all about the project. And, of course, like I said, that 25-minute YouTube video will tell you a lot about the original Epcot. Just to give you a chance to really understand what Walt wanted from a park that to a lot of people, until recently, kind of was boring. Matter of fact, when we went on our family vacations, we didn't go to Epcot because my mom thought that I would be bored with it. And it wasn't until I became a cast member at Epcot that I even rode Spaceship Earth for the first time. And now, Epcot, to me, it has my heart. It's my baby. Despite the festivals, despite all the special events that Epcot has, it's just one of my favorite parks and one of my favorite places on Disney property to just go and spend a little me time. But thank you guys for joining me on this segment of In Walt's Footsteps. I hope you guys are having a wonderful holiday season, and I will see you next time.
And now, a Disney On Demand memory. Hey D-Heads, Chaz here. And one of my absolute favorite Disney holiday specials growing up was Mickey's Christmas Carol. I remember sitting down every year with my sisters and popping that VHS into the VCR. We had watched that poor tape so much it always took a little bit for the tracking to be just right. Kids, if you don't know what tracking is, ask your parents. Anyways, I remember being all cozy on the couch, sometimes with hot chocolate and just enjoying the wonderful story. I remember... Always being a little uneasy seeing Goofy as Jacob Marley and absolutely terrified of Pete as the ghost of Christmas future. But I was always relieved to see Scrooge have a change of heart and the joy that the Cratchits would have for what they had. Happy Holidays, D-Heads. Disney Blues. Disney on demand. Ooh, I thought you were dead. Uh, uh, With your host, Jonathan Johnson. What? My dad gave it to me. It shows exactly where we are on the planet. Boop, beep, 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 boop, boop. Was this baby? We'll never be alone. You just tell the man you want to go back to your mother. All right, all of you D-heads, so I hope you enjoyed this week's show. It was a fantastic romp as we continued on with the holidays and had all kinds of fun. I want to extend a very special thank you once again to the very talented Sean Marshall for taking that time, stopping in, chatting with all of us. You have played a part in my childhood. You've played a part in my children's childhood growing up with these great classics like The Small One and Pete's Dragon, and I urge everybody to check out these great films. I know everybody knows Pete's Dragon, but check out the underrated Disney animated classic, The Small One, and bring your tissues along for the ride. Thank you, Sean, once again for stopping in and chatting with us here at the show. I'd also like to thank the D-Team. Without the D-Team, there'd be nothing more, as I always say, than me rambling week in and week out. So thank you to Aaron, Dominic, Frank, Alexa, Chaz, Michael, and Randy, all stopping in here this week with their signature segments. Without you, there would be no show. It'd be me talking, rambling, blah, 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 and it could get old pretty quick. If you want to connect up with the D-Team, definitely check them out at DizRadio.com, D-I-Z-Radio.com, 
Go to the D-Team page and drop them an email. They love to hear from you and interact with all of you D-Heads. And finally, most importantly, thank you, the D-Heads. Without you, there would be no show. We would not be coming at you with over 200 shows, almost eight years, every single week, making the magic happen for you here at the show. So thank you, the D-Heads, for making the show truly what it is. Now, next week, we're continuing on with our very Merry Christmas celebration. We have all kinds of fun lined up. And before I clue you in as the next week's guest, somebody I am excited to bring here at the show, I do want to give you all the different ways you can stay connected here at Disney On Demand. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com, D-I-Z Radio. There you can find our full list of past shows, the complete podcast archives, our latest news blogs, and more right there on our official website at DizRadio.com, D-I-Z Radio.com. You can also connect up with us all over the social media outlets on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Show. That's D-I-Z Radio, S-H-O-W. You can also join our D-Wire Disney discussion group on Facebook as well. You can follow us on Twitter, Pinterest, Instagram, many other places. Just search Disney Blue, and that's B-L-U, Diz Radio, D-I-Z Radio, or Disney On Demand, all of which are going to help you find our fun, unique, magical, and of course, this time of the year, Christmassy kind of Disney show. And if you just can't wait, you need the magic in your ears instantly. You're just waiting. You're chomping at the bit. You need it for your car, your cubicle. You want to listen to it with your family. All you have to do is go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio and subscribe right there. Search Disney Blue, Diz Radio, or Disney On Demand. Hit subscribe and get the latest shows as they get released on your Android, your iPhone, your tablet. You name it, you can get the shows instantly to listen to. And remember, if I'm talking too fast, I got a ball full of energy going on. Just go to DizRadio.com, D-I-Z-Radio.com. You can find all these links there as well. Now, next week, we are continuing on. We are that much closer to Christmas. We are that much closer to having all kinds of fun, opening up the presents, and getting ready for the Santa to come. And before we do that, we always listen to Christmas music all season long. And next week, somebody is stopping in. Let's just say, let's think of the old Disney Christmas albums from the 1980s, the late 70s. Let's think of those Disney children's sing-along CDs. Yes, all four volumes with Mickey, Minnie, Goofy singing with a lot of things. Now put it all together and think of the one person, that one person who tends not to be an animated character that's part of all these. I'm going to leave it at that, and I am excited for that guest here next week. So, all VD heads, with that said, all kinds of fun things. Go out, make the memories, and as I always say, take time, slow down, and never neglect family for business. You can always make money. You can't always make memories. Don't let the moments pass. So definitely go out there and make the magic happen. I'm going to be doing that this weekend with the kids as we go to visit Santa once again here this weekend. So until next week, all of you D-heads, have a fantastic weekend. Stay warm. If you're in a warm place, think of something cold and have fun. So until next week, make the magic, make the memories, and Merry, Merry Christmas. Smile.
Thank you for tuning in to Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. The content and thoughts expressed are those of the show and not the Disney company. Now go on and relive the magic, memories, and appreciation from your lifetime of Disney. See you real soon.